0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website
2: for details. Looking at our world from a theological perspective. This is the Theology Central
1: Podcast. Making Theology Central.
2: Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, December the 26th, 2023. It is currently 11.05 a.m. Central time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. 2024. You can see it. You see? You can see it's on its way, right? You can you can see the headlights of 2024 and they're bright and they're glaring and they're getting closer by the second. 2024 is fast approaching. It is on its way. And as we look to 2024, there'll be people who will make their predictions about what's going to happen in 2024. There will be those within the Christian world, especially in the charismatic world, who'll make their prophecies, what God is supposedly telling them in 2024. And we know how that always works out, but we won't go there. We won't go there, but everyone will be talking, making their predictions about 2024. But let me ask you a question. Can we understand what's going to happen in the future if we don't sometimes stop to look about, look back at what has happened in the past? We're going to do a little bit of that, right? It's typical. It's a pretty typical phrase that you can't understand the future unless you understand the past. And if you forget the past, you're absolutely doomed to repeat the past in the future because you forgot the past. So there's a lot of benefits of looking back. There's a lot of benefits of looking back and studying history and all of those types of things. Now, we're not going to go that far back here. We're going to go back to a podcast produced by NPR. I think it's the On Point podcast. And back in, I think it was the beginning of 2022, maybe the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022, they released an episode looking at what do American Christians actually believe. And it was fascinating then, but for some odd reason, a lot of the podcasts are doing that because during this holiday season, they don't want to be making new episodes. So what they're doing is they're re-releasing older episodes, kind of a best of. For the next week, we're going to simply, you know, we'll publish a best of episode and they'll pull something from the past and just republish it as something you know, as a new episode. All right, that's a that's a clever idea. You keep people still checking their podcast feed. They're still getting notifications about your podcast so they don't forget you because people will move on really quick. Look, if you're out of sight for five seconds, you're out of mind and people have already moved on because there's a million other options. So I can see what they're trying to do. But I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So maybe I could create an episode where we review what they supposedly found and discovered about what Christians believed in 2022. And we'll utilize that, one, to see how those supposed beliefs played out in 2023, because we're at the end of the year. And then we will take that and try to pull from all of their discussion and predict where things are going in 2024 as far as Christianity is concerned. Sounds like a fun game. Now, here's the difficulty in this game. I have no idea what they said because I have not listened to the episode. And why would I do that to myself? Because it makes our podcast much more fun because then it's not rehearsed and and all produced. And no, this is just going to be real. So what we're, my, this is my thinking. We're going to go back to a, Podcast episode that was released somewhere close to the beginning of 2022 or maybe the end of 2021, kind of showing what Christians believed in 2022. We're going to take that and see if we can see how that played out in 2023 and then try to predict from all of that information where the church, where Christianity may be headed in 2024. All right. By no means am I making some kind of prophetic claim. I'm not claiming God spoke to me, it's nothing like that. We're being very rational, looking at information that has been made available that people are talking about, and we're going to try to take all of that and make the best, you know, predictions and observations based off that information. Because for us, and I state this dogmatically, this is a doctrinal belief that I hold strongly to, God speaks to us through his word alone. God is not speaking to me any other way. Those ways have ceased with the completion of God's word. If God is talking to me outside of the scriptures, then what's the point of reading the scriptures when I could just listen to him tell me whatever he's going to tell me? But we won't get into that theological uh, dispute. All right, so Are you ready? I have no idea what's about to happen, so it should be fun. I don't know how much of this we will review. It's 47 minutes. If we do a full review, we know that's going to turn into probably four hours of broadcast. If we need to do more, we will. And of course, you do a lot of controlling what happens here. If you email me going, yes, please give me another episode, then you're almost absolutely guaranteed to get another episode. If I am met with a resounding silence, I interpret silence as, nope, don't care, didn't like it. So, and, and I know a lot of people say, well, don't interpret silence that way. I don't know how else you interpret silence, right? I mean, you, you, if, if you don't get feedback, you just have to draw the conclusion that people didn't like it. I mean, so that's, so that's, that's what I'm going to do. So we'll see. Hey, I, I, before this is over, I may not like it and I may like, who was the dummy who came up with that idea, all right? And then I'll have to realize that it was me, all right? But are you ready? Should be fun. We're going to go back to look at what was being said about what Christians believed in 2022 so we can see how those beliefs played out in 2023 and then we'll take all of that and make some form of a prediction about 2024 and we're going to start that right now. This is On Point. I'm Meghna
3: Chakrabarty. For decades, when covering the views of American Christians, the media, including this show, have often focused on right wing Christianity, largely because of its significant political influence. Think of groups such as the Christian Coalition, the Moral Majority, Focus on the Family, just to name a small few. And more recently, the rise of Christian nationalist extremism cannot be denied.
2: Okay, we whoa, we're off to the races, are we not? You talk about just wow. I mean, that is, we are off to the races. We could stop right here and do a lot of discussion. So let me add my own thoughts here. For me, and I, and because I always have to clarify this because people always get mad at me. All right. First of all, I'll say this, so I will clarify my thinking, but we have to address this. The fact that when the media reports on Christianity, they see some Christianity, as they refer to it, as right-wing Christianity, that disturbs me greatly greatly. That bothers me. That makes me very depressed. That makes me very discouraged. It makes me want to just run away and say, "I don't know." I don't. I don't know of this Christianity you speak of, because right wing is a political terminology. It's political designation. That, you're 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 de- you're describing something. It's a it's a political description. And when you call it right wing Christianity, you, you're placing a political. Descriptor before Christianity and Christianity should not be known for its political leanings. I, it should not be, Christianity should not be known for left wing, right wing, Democrat, Republican, conservative or liberal unless you're using conservative and liberal and theological terminology, not political terminology. The fact that Christianity can be even defined in any way, shape or form by political terminology means that the church messed up somewhere. We lost the plot. We lost the narrative. Because we should, anytime someone tries to do that, we should be like, whoa, 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 take three steps back. I am not to be identified with political terminology. I am not to be defined by nationalistic terminology. I am not to be identified by the American flag or by American or anything like that. I am to be identified by theological terminology. I'm to be identified by biblical terminology. No other terminology should be added. If that occurs, then we're in trouble. And the fact that at the the time that broadcast was released, Christianity was being described that way. And they focused on right-wing Christianity. Now, the reason I focus on quote-unquote right-wing Christianity or Christianity that's been hijacked by Republican conservative political ideology the reason I focus on it is this. It's very simple, very straightforward, and I will explain my, my perspective here and how I, t- I tend to approach this. When I think of right-wing Christianity, right, first of all, that's already a problem. But when I see right-wing Christianity, typically it's conservative churches that typically have a decent statement of faith that have been hijacked by conservative Republican political ideology. But because they are conservative churches, they still have in their statement of faith something that resembles biblical Christianity. They typically will have terminology in their statement of faith that gets God right as being a trinity. They understand imputation, propitiation, substitutionary sacrifice, some of the basic elements that we would hold to. They seem to have, they at least have the language right. Now, I believe they corrupt it with their politics, but at least it's there. There's some resemblance of, of biblical Christianity left. So I am very critical of that level of Christianity, that world of Christianity, because I believe, hey, guys, you've got some doctrinal truth. Throw out your political nonsense and focus on that. I believe there's some hope there. There's some there's there's Christianity there. It may be covered with their politics. They may be they may have covered Christianity and, and with the American flag, but at least there's Christianity present It's frustrating, it's maddening, but at least there's hope. Those who typically embrace a left-wing politics, they typically are churches that are very liberal in their theology and in many cases they've already abandoned biblical christianity in many cases they pretty come close to denying the deity of christ and and the uh inspiration of scripture and and many other issues they've already walked away from christianity so i don't really bother with them i don't care about their politics who the po- people refer to it as progressive christianity or I, Look, look. the minute you've abandoned Christianity, you can be as left-wing as you want. You can be as progressive as you want. I don't care about your politics. I care that you abandon Christianity. So I don't even view that as a a viable form of Christianity. But I look at the right-wing churches. I'm like, man, you've got some Christianity, but I wouldn't go to your church if you paid me $100 a week because you're so politically hijacked. It's Trump this, Trump that, America this, America that, and it's a uh, you you seem you can't you 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 seem to be slowly but surely putting these things before God. So, they they so they talk and then they talk about the rise of Christian nationalism. Now this was 2022. We already have a connection to 2023. We have seen the rise of Christian nationalism continue to increase in 2023. It has not slowed down. It does not seem to be anyone's able to stand against. It's like a flood. It's like becoming a tidal wave of this Christian nationalistic, almost calling for a theocracy mindset that is infiltrating the body of Christ at very great numbers and trying to stand against it. You're going to get swept away. And I don't know what to do. You got the political hijacking, and now you got this rise of Christian nationalism. And as soon as you criticize it as Christian nationalism, people, conservative churches get very, it's not Christian nationalism. We just love our country. It's patriotism, whatever they want to call it. But the point is, it's Christian nationalism, and it's infiltrating and corrupting the church at a high rate. And if this, what we just heard is true of 2022, it increased in 2023, and I think we can get our first prediction of 2024. I think 2024 is going to be the year where the rise of Christian nationalism reaches critical mass. I think it's going to reach a critical breaking point, tipping point in 2024. I don't know when it tips, when it breaks, what's going to be the fallout from it. But I think there's going to be the dam is going to burst. And and I think a lot of people are going to have some very tough decisions to make. And I think some people are going to decide, forget the church. If the church is going to become a basically a uh, an arm of the Republican Party and this form of Christian nationalism then I'm taking. uh, There's no point in being there. It's stopped being anything even remotely resembling a Christian church. And it's become a political entity. And I think it's going to lead more people to walk away from the corporate church. Because and then you, you don't want to go join the the, the the church that's already abandoned Christianity and have now embraced their leftist or liberal politic. So where do you go? Now I've already had emails from people going, I just want my church back. I don't know what happened. I, I woke up one day and my church turned into something that doesn't even resemble a church anymore. I think that's going to increase greatly in twenty twenty four. I think it's going to only get worse. Let's see what else they had to say.
3: Especially after the January 6th, 2021 attack on the Capitol.
2: A growing movement led by right-wing politicians is increasingly challenging a centuries-old value of America's political system, the separation of church and state.
0: During the January 6th attack on the Capitol, there were Trump banners and Confederate flags, the Gadsden flags. There's also Christian imagery, the wooden cross, people in prayer, the Jesus Save slogan.
3: And while these groups dominate media coverage of Christianity and for good reason, they also represent only a fraction of the more than 60 percent of Americans who identify themselves as followers of the Christian faith.
2: Now, that was a good sign. 2022, they say that 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 Christian nationalist kind of right wing is a fraction of Christianity. Now, that's good. I believe by the time we've reached the end of 2023, it's that fraction has grown. I don't know to what. I don't have statistics in front of me, but it's grown. And and listen, I think there are variations. There are those extreme, hardcore maybe Christian nationalists calling for a theocracy, the destruction of church and state, and 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 just way out there. But I think there is a large amount of Christianity that's been influenced by that, even though they would say they're not that, you can see the influence in when they talk or discuss things happening in society. They sound more political than they do biblical. They sound more cultural, you know, their their cultural understanding more than theological. All right, but let's see where they're going to go with this.
3: And American Christians overall... Have a spectrum of belief as broad and
2: diverse as the country they live in. Okay, now this is a whole separate issue. So, what we have in 2022 was obviously an issue and a focus on the right wing political hijacking of American Christianity, the rise of Christian nationalism, and an acknowledgement of just how diverse. Beliefs are within Christianity, I will go so far to say, I'm going to use a different term, not only diverse, how divided American Christianity is. And this is the subject that nobody ever wants to talk about. We always try to argue, no, no, we're much more unified than people think. No, 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 we have much more in common. We say that, but we we talk about on one, on one side, in, uh, basically out of one side of our mouth, we have so much in common, we're so unified. And then the other side of the mouth, they're like, heretic, 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 don't know, they're not saved, they're probably not saved, absolutely trash, can you believe that? And we criticize, 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 and basically throwing people out of the kingdom of God. So uh, don't tell me we're so unified, and we have so much in common when every time we turn around, someone is pointing the finger at someone else saying, probably not even saved, probably not even a Christian. That's not even Christianity. You're a heretic. And I believe that division and divisiveness will only get worse in 2024. And that's not even requiring rocket. I mean, that, you, don't, you don't even have to be a rocket scientist for that. You don't even need a seminary education for that. You can see that. That is as clear as day. In fact.
3: Many American Christians profess beliefs that their more conservative fellow churchgoers find outright heretical.
0: We have a biblically heretical statement that says the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but it is not literally true. So essentially that statement saying the Bible is fiction, but it might be helpful. Um, And that percentage has slowly grown, and it's now
2: 53%. Whoa, fifty three percent in twenty twenty two of American professing Christians are now saying, "Hey, the Bible contains some, some you know, some. The Bible may not be completely true, but it has some helpful information, has some helpful tips." I don't even know where we process that in all of this, right? That well, there, yeah, many are going to say that's heretical. That's heretical. So what, instead of fighting, see, and this is where I get frustrated. Instead of fight, fighting all of these political battles, instead of getting so involved in politics, instead of being so corrupted by trying to create a Christian theocracy to shove Christianity and force Christianity upon unbelievers, instead of doing all of this nonsense, we may want to wake up and realize there's a growing number of people who don't even believe the Bible's the inerrant, inspired word of God. And that's going, that number will only increase if the church is preoccupied with culture wars and political 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 battles than theology and doctrine and discipleship. This is Scott
3: McConnell, executive director at the Nashville, Tennessee-based LifeWay Research. It's an arm of LifeWay Christian Resources, the publishing group of the Southern Baptist Convention. And every two years, LifeWay conducts a fascinating survey of American Christian belief. They've been doing the survey since 2014. And McConnell says the 2022 survey has some surprising findings.
0: One of those uh, is the statement, uh, worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. The the percentage of Americans who agree is now two-thirds. It's 66%, uh, whereas the last time we asked it uh, in early 2020, just as COVID was hitting, was 58%. Wow, 66%
2: believe worshiping alone or with family is a valid replacement for the church. Now, whether you agree or whether you disagree with that, the reality is that means there's a lot of people who are not only willing to walk away from the church, they believe it's valid to do so. And many may have already done so. Therefore, it is imperative for Christians to utilize technology like I'm utilizing right here, which is it's somewhat expensive at times. There are expenses to doing so, but doing everything in our power to use the technology to get the preaching and the teaching and the theology to the people wherever they may be. Now, some may argue, no, 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 that's the problem. Churches need to cut down all live streaming, no more podcasting, so that we will force people back to the church. Well, you could take that approach, but sometimes the reality is the reality. The key is to go to where the people are and teach, disciple, And then hopefully encourage them back to the church. But we can't abandon those people simply because they're no longer sitting in our pew and no longer an active supporter of the ministry. They still need discipleship. They still need to be challenged. They may not even like what your church said and walked away, but you still want to make your stuff available that maybe they will keep listening and maybe you can keep challenging and maybe you could be of some spiritual help. But that's an astronomical number. And I think... Now, I know there's been conflicting reports on this, right? Some people believe we the church has yet to recover from the pandemic, that we've yet to get back to pre-pandemic levels. Others argue that we have gotten back. So the, the, the studies seem to be contradictory at times. I still think many churches are still suffering from the pandemic and they've yet to recover and that people are far more likely now... Even if they do come back to church to say, well, I'm not going to Sunday night service or I'm not going to Wednesday. I mean, no, I'll go to Sunday. Maybe I may skip Sunday school. And I think that's becoming more prominent. And I think many churches are probably then going to either cancel services, combine services be, ch- just because of what's happening. Now, I don't know. I don't know if that increases in 2024. I don't know where, where I, <sighs> will church attendance decrease in 2024? I'm going to say Yes. Church attendance will continue to decrease, but that does not mean that people have abandoned their belief in Christ or abandoned their belief in the Bible. I believe that many people will become more and more disillusioned with the church because I believe the church is going to continue down a political path, and that's going to drive more people out of the church. So those people will need ministering to, to some level. So I think there's an opportunity presenting itself. That there's going to be people who are not, they're not tired of Jesus. They're not tired of the Bible. They're not tired of theology. They're tired of the corporate church and its politics. And they now believe it is valid to worship alone or with family.
0: And so we, we see that Americans, including churchgoers, are saying, you know, attending church in person is, you know, more of them are saying that's optional.
3: Well, the most interesting set of findings in the LifeWay survey takes a look at the views of people who still are regular churchgoers. And LifeWay found that more than two-thirds of regular American churchgoers believes that God accepts the worship of all religions. Forty-five percent believe that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion rather than objective facts. And almost half replied that they view Jesus as a great teacher but not as God incarnate.
2: That's just absolutely startling. These are sh- churchgoers. Basically believe you can worship any God. And it's it's just a matter of opinion. It's not a matter of fact. And question that Jesus, and state that Jesus was a good teacher, but was not the eternal son of God. We got to, again, the theological framework of Christianity is crumbling because the people are believing well, I mean, those are all absolutely non Christian heretical beliefs that just was stated there. And you know why what is happening? They're not being philologically grounded because the church is distracted and fighting and chasing after windmills and conspiracy theories and misinformation and culture wars and politics and and fighting everything else. While we're running around chasing all of the, the, the chasing windmills and, and chasing our own tail. We are Ignoring what is happening inside the church and it's crumbling philologically.
3: And even among American evangelicals, specifically, more than 40% said they do not believe Jesus is God. Now, for LifeWay Executive Director Scott McConnell, some of these findings are a cause for concern. Recall that this is a research group of the Southern Baptist Convention. So McConnell says that part of the reason why they try to understand America's state of theology is so that those who teach theology can better reach their audiences.
0: It's helpful for for church leaders to understand, you know, within their own congregations, which uh, biblical teachings people are slower to accept. Um, and also which, which teachings people in their community may already accept. And, and so they could start a conversation with a shared belief and, and then share more of, of the story uh, th- that's found in the Bible.
2: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, if over 40% of evangelicals don't believe Jesus is God— We probably should stop worrying about all the culture wars, and we may want to sound an alarm and say, we got a problem. We got a very big problem. See, I think pastors are the last ones to ever, ever understand this, because I think so many times from the pulpit, pastors, one or two things happen. You live in a land of delusion. You live in a land of make-believe for a long time, right? Right. You convince yourself that you're preaching, you're teaching, people are loving it, they're getting it, their lives are being changed, and you really try to convince maybe in many cases that you're being much more effective and something is happening far better than it actually is. It may be just you're perceiving because there's no conflict, there's no church split brewing, everything that everything is good. But the reality is you don't know what people who are sitting in that pew actually believe. Now when you, when you step on the right toe, when you step on their toes. When when you cross a certain theological line, you'll find out what they believe because now you're going to get the pushback and now you're going to be told you can't preach that and then they're gonna they're gonna bail on you and they're gonna leave you. So so you you can always figure out what they believe if you keep pushing 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 because sooner or later you're going to push against the wrong thing and they're going to push back and then they'll probably leave your church, which is ugh, maddening. But but that's neither here nor there. So some pastors live almost in a land of delusion, convincing themselves that we're having this great profound impact. It's almost like they're they're. Trying to convince themselves and they're overselling. And then sadly, you've got those who become much more jaded going, Yeah, whatever, it doesn't even matter. But here's what we typically, there's usually a massive disconnect between the pulpit and the pew because the pew is very, 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 very careful in many cases in revealing what they really think, what they really want what they really believe, because they have been conditioned that they're supposed to say certain things and do certain things. So sometimes you, the the pastor is like, everyone here loves God's word and they want to read and they want to study. And then the reality is the people in the pew are like, I'm going to come to church. I don't want to read and I don't want to study and I don't want Bible study methods and I don't want, I don't, I'm not going to do anything else. But they won't say that. The pastor may be convinced these people are hungering and thirsting after God's word. And they want Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday. And then they want special classes during the week. And the people in the pew are like, I don't want to do that. And if you make me do that, it feels like an obligation and I don't like it. Well, okay, that that says more about their spiritual appetite. But they won't say that. And you could have people sitting in the pew who doesn't even believe Jesus is God. But they won't say that. But see, when they do these kind of surveys and studies where it's much more anonymous, oh, then sometimes you start hearing things. Sometimes you start getting to the bottom of it, right? Sometimes that's when you go, wait a minute, there's something wrong. Now, there's always reactions to these studies, The first reaction is like, that's just not true. Don't believe it. 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 it." Others, well, I believe it. And then maybe then panic. I think there's always a, we always have to take these in a balanced approach. We don't ignore it. It means something. It may not mean that the building is on fire, but it may mean there's something going on. And this is not the first study. This is one of many. And again, this was for 2022. And if 2022, numbers were increasing, people didn't think church, you had to go to church. People don't think Jesus is the only way. Believing re- belief is more of an opinion than, ap- than based off fact. That, that, I mean, they're calling into question key foundational elements of biblical Christianity. And to me, the church is all is so preoccupied on everything else.
3: Now, thanks to the First Amendment, Americans can believe basically whatever they want in their religious lives. But from the organization's point of view, there are right and wrong answers to the questions posed by the survey about, say, whether or not Jesus is God or that the Bible is myth. And McConnell wishes that would be true among a broader swath of Americans, even though it is not.
0: A typical uh, church leader or pastor W- would read through these questions, and I think they would sort them the same. There could be a couple questions that they'd say, well, that's a debatable item, um, that there's something in the wording that some Christian teachers may may teach one direction and, and others another, but that would probably be only a couple out of all these questions we've asked. They would sort them very similarly uh, based on a, a Protestant reading of, of the Bible.
3: But again, LifeWay's own survey reveals that there is no such thing as one reading of the Bible or one view held by American Christians. In fact, when we asked On Point listeners, if you are a regular churchgoer, what do you believe? We got many diverse answers.
1: The core tenets come down to really three questions. Uh, Who is God? Who is man? And who is this one Jesus Christ? who we believe is God incarnate, who came, lived a perfect life, died a death on a cross, and then rose again on the third day.
2: Whether or not, in fact, he is divine and the Son of God is actually, well, it's a little irrelevant to me personally, because his example of what we all should be aspiring to be is, a miracle in itself. Like most of our Christian friends, we stopped attending church around 2018. Um, it just became too political. I'm not surprised there's been a huge drop in church attendance and those who belong to, to, not, to a denomination. Uh, What's saying Christian wants to be lumped in with non-stop, mean-spirited Christianity that has been in the news the last four years.
3: Those are some on-point listeners
2: sharing their thoughts. Uh, Please note, those those listeners were, ch- were churchgoers other than the last one who stopped going to church. And stopped going to church because it becomes so political. See, when I sit behind this microphone and talk about those things, I'm not— I, I think sometimes people are like, ah, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. There, there's been too much evidence and information about these problems. But once again, it demonstrates there is no—there's no—, co- there's no cohesive, unified belief within the evangelical world. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. It's chaotic. It's crazy. And those are the kind of things that happen when you throw out the creeds. When you throw out the creeds, you throw out confessions, you throw some of it. And it can become absolutely chaotic. And when the church becomes more politically motivated, culture wars, involvement, more entertainment driven, n- numbers and money versus the teaching and truly teaching and truly digging in. But at the same time, let's make it very, very clear. Now, I'm I, i, I I'm almost reverting back to my old way of thinking. My old way of thinking is I put the blame at the church. I do, I, that's my old way of thinking. The church is at fault. The church is at fault. I've, I've changed my view, though, over the years. Now I blame the people sitting in the pew. Their theological ignorance is their own fault. Their theological confusion is their own fault. I no longer blame the church. I'm sorry. It's 2023. You have access to everything that's ever been written in the history of Christianity. You got the, you've got you got every confession, creed, theolo- systematic theology. You've got it all right there at your fingertips. And the fact that so many Christians say, well, I'm starving and I can't find any good thing. It's because you don't want to find a good thing. You don't want to because it's available somewhere, somehow, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can learn Bible study uh, methods. You can do Bible study exercises. Now I'm referring to things that I have, I have provide, but we do the Bible pop quiz, Bible uh, study exercises, all the things we try to do. And you know how hard it is to get people to participate. You almost have to beg. You almost have to bribe because people will not participate yet. Then they will be the ones who'll be theologically confused and say, well, no one ever taught me. Well, I wonder why no one ever taught you because you, you, you have to go get it. You have to grab onto it. Now, the churches, I believe, are a mess, but the people in the pew bear responsibility, and especially in a Protestant mindset, right? Because the Protestant mindset says, who is the one judging the preaching? It's the people in the pew. Who is the one determining whether the church is right or wrong? The people in the pew. Who are the ones in the pew who can say, no, this church is wrong, and I'm going to go somewhere else, or that pastor needs to shut up? It's the people in the pew. Well, if you're going to take that kind of responsibility and that kind of authority, then you have to be the one to know that you're so well-grounded theologically, you have the ability and right to criticize. But the sad part is that within the Protestant world, the people sitting in the pew won't even bother to do the necessary work to reach that level of certainty theologically, yet criticize or tell someone that they're wrong and walk right out the door and go to another church to then give that church their stamp of approval until they don't. Yeah, okay. That that took a different turn, but yeah, I, I I used to put the blame at the church, but I'm putting the blame at the individual now. There's no excuse. You've got access to everything. I would have killed. Okay, okay, that's a little exaggerated. I would have done anything to have what is available to Christians today. Back when I first became a Christian. I I I didn't have money, but I would I would go to the Bible bookstore whenever I had any money and b- try to find something, buy something, and that's where I found in the discount bin a book on the twelve methods of Bible study. What for fifty cents? And I devoured that book to learn t- methods of Bible study. I would go to the 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 libraries here in the in, in Abilene, Texas because we have three Christian universities. We have McMurray, which is Methodist, ACU, which is Church of Christ, Hardin-Simmons, which is Baptist. And I would go to their libraries and I could just read whatever I want, theology, anything. And I would I would look and look, I would go to the Abilene Public Library. I made access, I I tried to gain whatever I could. I found Christian Radio and tried to find out the time certain programs came on and to record them on cassette. I know I'm dating myself. I took every opportunity to take everything that was available to me. Now, that was back then when it was much more difficult. I can't even imagine now you literally have a seminary on your phone. on your phone and just think, with more access to more theological information than at any time in the history of the church, Christians today are more theologically illiterate, biblically illiterate, are holding beliefs that are absolutely contrary to biblical Christianity and are becoming much more, not only dis, less unity, more conflict and divided and the church is being hijacked politically. about their
3: faith. Now, of course, you might be saying, no, duh, Magna. There are a lot of different views within American Christianity. But the question we're asking today is, as the media continues to focus on the most vocal and politically active right wing of American Christianity, what are we also missing when we don't talk about that broader swath Of American belief. So joining us now is Jonathan Tran. He's Associate Professor of Philosophical Theology and Chair of Religion at Baylor University, and he joins us from Waco, Texas. Professor Tran, welcome to On Point.
1: Thank you for having me on.
3: So first of all, um, you know, I acknowledge at the beginning that this uh, State of Theology survey is done by LifeWays Research, an arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, what's your your take overall uh, about this survey and what it has, has found a, about American Christianity?
1: I think the survey is helpful for studying, say, certain baseline realities. You study X, uh, 2020. You check the results in 2022 it shows a growth or decline according to x i think the researchers probably extrapolate a little bit more from it than that than it, than it allows and then you begin to get the feeling that the books are somewhat cooked on the survey that is it's asking for some very specific sets of criteria and then it draws too many implications from it.
3: Okay, so take me through then in more detail, like so, some of your concerns. Um, first of all, I know that th- even just some of the questions you thought were uh, not worded in the best way. Yeah,
1: so take, for example, the question of Christ's divinity. So it suggests that all Christians should believe, you know, this or that about Christ's divinity. And it measures or tests respondents according to that and then draws large uh conclusions about the Christian public accordingly. But the status of the question of Christ divinity, of course, is a hugely debated one. It took about 700 years for the church to decide what it meant. So there's that question. And then how you interpret people's responses to it, of course, matter. So in some communities saying Christ divinity or claiming Christ divinity looks like X, but in another community, it could very well look like Y, right? So as well, you can look at other parts of the survey. It asks, for example... For certain lines in the sand, it draws very important. um, It puts a lot of significance on questions of, say, abortion or same-sex marriage, whereas a lot of Christian communities, those would be important, but they wouldn't be the all-important questions. So by putting a lot of weight on those questions and making conclusions about how people decide about those questions, that's what I mean by it's somewhat the books are already cooked on the survey.
3: I see. OK, so so um, the sort of intent of the survey is clear based on where they're focusing. Now, also, I know you know I, I broadly use this phrase American Christianity throughout that whole introduction Um But we should note, and and you pointed this out to us, that what LifeWay's uh, research defines as Christianity is actually more narrow than Christendom itself.
1: Yeah, both in the American context, there's a lot of different types of Christianity. So you can imagine some Christianities uh, in America are going to have different
2: lines in the sand. And now this is just where it becomes maddening because... This is the acknowledgement of a reality, Christianity's plural. And that the the lines in the sand are different for every group, which just demonstrates the doctrinal disunity, chaos, anarchy, and confusion that exist, which is sad because, well, not only do you have these answers that are like shocking, then you can say, well, they're cooking the books because they're trying to narrow it to to, you know, they're trying to define it in such a narrow way. Well, that's what you do in theology, right? This is like, this is what you believe theologically, or this is what you not believe. And in theology, you make a judgment about which one is right and which one is wrong. The point is, whether you want to believe one is right or one is wrong, it's a shocking belief, according to a large portion of Christianity, that people are rejecting some of the fundamentals of the faith as defined by Christianity for a very long time. A very long time.
1: So in the way that this one talked about questions of abortion or same-sex marriage, you can imagine other communities talking a lot about immigration or racial justice. So it's narrow both in the American context, though certainly representative of a broad swath of Christianity, but it's also narrow in the non-American context. We have to remember that most Christians in the world don't exist in America. And by far the fastest growing elements of Christianity are not American. And of course, the vast swath of Christian history takes place outside of America.
3: So tell me more, though, about um, that. It seems like you read the uh, Lifeways survey as defining American Christianity as basically Protestant evangelical Christianity, which is, uh, you know, a subset of a subset, even in this country.
1: Protestant evangelical Southern Baptist inflected, which, of course, has certain racial, social economic gendered realities. And so if you look at other types of Protestant Christianity, even in thinking about the survey, for example, I thought about. Lawndale Christian Community Church in Chicago, Redeemer Community Church in San Francisco, even my church here in Waco, Texas, Mosaic, all these are Protestant evangelical churches, just like the ones at the point of the survey, but they look very different than the ones examined in the survey.
3: Yeah. You know, I really appreciate you pointing out what you find um as the the weaknesses in the lifeways survey because we should be, you know, this rigorous for any set of polls or surveys we we put on this show. So, I am grateful Professor Tran for that. Um and 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 so even with those concerns in mind and we're in a sense they get us to this broader question of how diverse American Christianity actually is, which we will be continuing to explore for the remainder of this hour. Um there We've just got a couple of seconds left, so I'm going to set up a quick question for you. I'll let you answer on the other side of the break. I'm curious to hear in a moment what you think about some of their findings, even with your concerns in mind. For example, some of the changes in beliefs for um, American evangelicals and their view of whether or not uh, Jesus is divine. So I'll have you answer that, Professor Tran, uh, when we
2: come back in just a moment. This is... And we will stop there. And you can get your favorite podcasting app and look up the On Point podcast from NPR. I think it's also uh, sometimes listed as WBUR. I believe it's a public radio station, um, but On Point. And it's called What Do American uh, Christians Believe or something along that uh, line. It says it's, it's usually uh, labeled rebroadcast. What do American Christians believe? And you can then uh, fast forward that to the point where he comes back to answer that question But they talk about the diversity within Christianity, and it is wildly diverse. And they talk about the ever-changing beliefs happening within Christianity. I believe in 2024, Christianity becomes even more divided, more disunity, more political hijacking as more people walk away from the corporate church, and yet— Beliefs will continue to change, and I believe you will see a greater corruption of theological orthodoxy because the church, on one hand, is so divi- is so distracted by all of the things it's involved in, while the people in the pew are not bothered enough to do anything about it in pursuing actual learning and growing and helping themselves theologically. That's where I see things going to just say to, – just to use what was discussed. Now, you go listen to the On Point program and then you give me your feedback on it. And you can do so at at yahoo.com, And I, for a challenge, grab a piece of paper today and I want you to write down three to five – three minimum five max predictions – About the church and Christianity in 2024. Three to five. Your own just personal predictions, right? You're not claiming to be a prophet. You're not anything like that. Just what do you think is going to happen to the church and Christianity in 2024? Uh, you write down 3 a minimum 5 max that's that's what i want you to just and you can you can come up with on your own if you can talk to your husband or your wife you can talk to friends you can pose the question to your own pastor you can ask people in your sunday school class what their predictions would be and then post them somewhere and then just see as the year goes out if they turn out to be true or false i would love to get your list email it to me news If at yahoo.com, that's news, if at yahoo.com. Look up the On Point podcast, listen to the rest of it. We went back to look forward. Hopefully, something we said was beneficial. Everyone have a wonderful December the 26th. Remember, before you know it, 2023 will be over. God bless.